Uh, hi, I'm Karen. And I'm Lauren. And this is Downstage Left Podcast, a podcast where we talk a little, laugh a lot, and know nothing. You don't know anything. Sure. Just like, about <laughs> Well, I don't know about that intro. Every time I have to really think about you, it. You do. It's true. It's a whole thing. Um, All right. But it's fine. Thank you. Uh, Lauren, <sighs> what are we going to talk about today? I think we well, should talk about today. We should. I mean, here's the thing. We. I really think we need a moment of silence uh, but a short one for um, sort of dearly departed Stephen Sondheim. Absolutely. Um, we, as of recording, we are recording a day after he has passed away. Yep. And uh, I was out with friends last night, and someone just very nonchalantly was like, "Oh, Sondheim's dead," and I was like, "What? What?" And I legitimately cried um, <laughs> like at the table. It was a weird thing. Well, my friends were like, "Are you I, okay?" It was obviously it started popping up all over social media yesterday, and I. It's like not obviously not funny, but I no. did laugh a little bit because Playbill posted it. Um, composer, lyricist Stephen Sondheim dead at ninety one, and I was Ooh. like, why didn't why didn't they live? Sure, man, they really just swung hard for it, they and I was did. like, why weren't dead. they like has passed or like has moved? I, yeah, I just I, I thought like, it was kind of crazy, but uh, yeah. Sondheim obviously. Uh, for anyone listening to this show, if you don't know who he is, you do. You just don't know who he is. Yeah. Uh, he has written uh, about a million different things that. Uh, has worked its way into pop culture and has taken from pop culture and certainly uh, a huge part of the theater community and um you know one of those his work will be timeless and yeah. go on and on and on so for sure um what's your favorite Sondheim show I think we're gonna talk about we it are gonna talk about it it's Into the Woods sure. um for a lot of reasons Into the Woods is my favorite show um I grew up with it as a kid um I got I think I've mentioned on the pod before, but I got to see my dad and my grandfather both be in the show when I was like eight or nine. Young, yeah. And it was such a formative time in my life. Like I probably have the whole soundtrack memorized. Uh, I've never been in it myself, but like, hope Ooh, to uh, yeah, the, there's still time. Well, I no, mean, we talked about the witch is yeah, my number one. Yeah, that's pre-roll. right. If listeners go back to episode, episode one. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I I truly love this show. Normally, when I do my deep dives, I pick something a little bit weirder and sure we go off. off the beaten path a little bit. But um, well, you know what? Here's the thing about theater, and there's great shows that are off the beaten path that people don't know about. But then some of the most iconic ones that are influential and have influenced some of those off the beaten path shows as well. Um, I mean, my favorite, obviously, and this is like maybe a little lesser known, is West Side Story. Yeah. He did the lyrics for it, and yeah. it was one of his earlier works, and, you know, I think Bernstein and, you know, obviously, um, I'm looking at the poster right now, but obviously Jerome Robbins, like, they're, they're kind of who we talk about when we talk about that show, but, you know, he was, he was brilliant on a million different levels, and you, there's a reason why people are still performing his works, and they, in a weird way, and we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about Into the Woods, yeah. uh, have not aged poorly no. like some other shows. No, I, I agree with that. I actually, last night, <laughs> after I got up done being with my friends, I was on Instagram, and Rachel Bloom did an Instagram Live, uh, and she is, like, brilliant yeah. Broadway performer who is the, the funny, mind. very, very funny. So funny. Brilliant Watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I was just going to say yep. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's hilarious, and she is a songwriter and very well-educated in musical theater. Um, and they, she and her best friend did like a bracket of Sondheim show. Oh, like, okay. Songs. Okay. Um, and they didn't include West Side because he didn't write the music. He didn't write the music. Right. Um, and they, they went show by show, picked their favorite or the best, what they considered the best song. What did they show. end with? They ended with being alive. Oh. Which I was like, I agree with that. And I was participating a lot in the live. I was like commenting like. Good job. I really tried to get them to say children will listen instead of no one is alone from Into the Woods. Oh. But they, well. they were like going back and forth with that one for a while. So. 
Uh, no, it's, I mean, he's, like I said, and it's, it's, we'll talk about it more, but we should just get into it. We should get into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am for all intents and purposes for this episode, mainly going to refer in my brain and my thinking to the original Broadway recording of this show. Sure. Um, I know there was a film. I know there were several revivals. Um, the film I don't care for, so I don't <laughs> want to talk about well, it. Well, I mean, we can just say, you know, here's when, and maybe we'll do a deep dive on this film versus original. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, and the films are interesting because it does bring a different audience, right? Maybe an audience that has no interest in musical theater are going to go see these films and become familiar with it. However, yeah. They're usually very, very different from the stage shows. And uh, I think the sadness about the movie, for me at least, was it lost some of that magic that happens on stage. And then they cut some stuff that I was like, what? Cut lots Where's of stuff this? that I didn't care so, about. So, yeah. um, I mean, not to take away, although, I mean, we have canceled James Corden. So maybe. Fine. I don't uh, care. Sure. But, <laughs> I uh, you know. Other people in that, sh- in that movie were really good. James yep. Corden, I don't give a shit about. Sure. Um, so. <laughs> Hashtag canceled Gordon. Uh, um, so, I mean, but in in a way where the movie, like I said, introduced a, a completely different audience to it. But um, I would encourage the original Broadway with Bernadette Peters mm. and Chip Zine. It's available. Oh, they did a pro recording. Like so PBS good. did a pro recording. I encourage you. several copies in my home. Yes. <laughs> I, it's available online to stream. Like, yeah. I encourage you to go watch that. And Please it'll do. give you a great sense. And probably... I mean, let's be real. Bernadette Peters is probably what the best known witch. She's the or she's, the most well I'm known. I'm gonna say the goat uh, yeah. of witches. Okay, she's the the greatest of all time witch. Um, sure. Yeah, and also my like number one childhood hero. So, sure. Aside from my own grandfather. So I'm gonna dive in. Um, let's and go. The first scene of the original I actually use to teach tableau to my kids. Yeah. Uh, because in sixth grade we teach tableau, and I sort of talk to them about the uses that that tableau has in the theater and this is like such a prime fantastic example down to like the narrator introducing all the characters and then when he gets to the baker and his wife which i'm going to get into the baker breaks his tableau before his wife does and it's just like such a beautiful moment yep um that joanna gleason like uh brings to life another classic uh like underrated lady uh so She's my so so you have never been in it, but you have had obviously family members be in it. Yeah. Um, before I started my theater company, we were working with a different local company, and we did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I am familiar with this musical in a way where, um, from like a producer director standpoint, where um, I didn't direct the show, produced it, and then did tech for it. But um, it's my favorite set I've ever designed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we set it up. Michelle White directed this one for us, and did such a smart way of continuing the flow of the show. So we never did a blackout. We never had a scene change. We just simply had people exiting and entering pretty much constantly. And it really helped. And it's one of those shows that it's so well written in that way that if you do it that way, it is seamless and mm-hmm. just keeps moving. And, you know, is, is a fun time. And also, so my other little side story is my friend Kelly, um, who I don't know if she listens, but um, this is her favorite Kelly. musical. <laughs> Keps. Uh, this is her favorite musical. And one time in college, we were at a party, like a big old college party, having a great time. <laughs> I really like where and this is going. And we literally snuck out to go home and watch Into the Woods. Oh, that's so sweet. That's uh, not where, where I thought this no, was going No, no, no. Where we were, everybody was having a great time, and we were like, should we just 
Should we go? Go watch it. And we watched that PBS version that we were just talking about, the original. And we just left the party and, like, we're happily. And then people came, like, people came home and they were like, um, where did you guys go? And we were like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, so that is, and then we would go on. I would, she's from Ohio, but I would visit her in Ohio. And, uh, I think the regional theater, I want to say in Dayton, that might be wrong. But uh, Allison Janney came back. She was like, it was like her home yes. theater or whatever to voice the giant. Oh, hell so I have yeah. seen I have seen oh, I a production it. with Allison Janney, Janney as the giant. That's so great, yeah, a very oh, fun. So that. a deep history and and love for this one too, um, oh, uh, for me as well. So where it's just it's a fun show. So anyway, no, I really thought you were like we were at this college party, and we busted it out. No, I really thought you were gonna be like, and then she just out of nowhere dropped the witch's rap, and she's no. like, greens, greens, uh, another book, no, nope, not that kind of college party. <laughs> I, it maybe says what kind of college party you were going to, but ours was a little bit more traditional. We were just and, like, we're bored. We'd like to go. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we did, um, we did an Irish goodbye where we, or a French exit in sure. which we said nothing to anyone and just disappeared. Uh, very magical, like the show. Yeah. All of a sudden we were gone and at home very comfortably. I think we still maybe had a beer and watched the show. So. Yeah. That's what I used to do that when I was sick at home, like yeah. in school, I would watch it. <laughs> Sometimes cry at the end most of the time. There you go. All right. So act one, a narrator introduces the f- four characters, introduces four characters, not the four. There's lots. Um, Cinderella, who wishes to attend the King's Festival. Jack, who wishes his cow, Milky White, would give milk. A baker and his wife, both of whom wish to have a child. And like I said, the tableau here, like with the... He just introduces all these characters. They break tableau as they're addressed. And Joanna Gleason, just the only thing she does when it's her turn, he goes, and his wife. And she goes, and it's like this big sigh that it's just like, it's such perfection. I love her so much. Um, Cinderella's step family mocks her uh, wish. And Jack's mother laments that she wishes for wealth. Little Red Riding Hood appears at the bakery wishing for bread and sweets to bring to her grandmother's house. Uh, Cinderella's stepmother dumps a pot of lentils into the fireplace to clean up, promising that only then will they let her go to the festival. So I think we sh- it's worth mentioning, if you're not familiar with Into the Woods, it's, I'm going to say, the only show yeah. that has ever done a good job taking sort of fairy tale characters and intertwining them and putting them into a story where... Um, it, it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting conceit for a show because fairy tale characters, obviously, we sort of, I, and I think very smartly, and as Lauren continues, we'll see why, we identify with childhood. Yes. And we identify with getting those stories told to us when we're kids. And, you know, they're supposed to have maybe little lessons in them and all this other stuff. But it's, it's more, it's a very interesting way to introduce us to the characters that we'll kind of get to know. And, very interesting in the beginning, as she said, they start out in these like separate little pods and they're not together. Yeah. And they're in their own kind of story still. Yeah, I mean I'd say I would say like the the intertwining of fairy tales is something mm-hmm. you see a lot very poorly done in children's theater. Yes. Like I feel all like I've time. read a lot of scripts where it's yep. like, Oh look, all these princesses are coming together to do something and it's dumb. Uh and this I agree with you is probably the only time it's done so well. Well, and he set the table for it, where a lot of people have tried to kind of copy this formula and haven't had his, have not had the same success. No, I agree with that. Um, 
To help Cinderella, she calls for the birds in the skies. Meanwhile, a witch appears at the bakery, revealing to the baker and his wife that they are infertile because of a spell she placed on the baker's father many years ago. So already taking a turn out of oh, childhood. Like, literally all, like, here we go. We are not cutting any corner. We're just no. jumping right in. Infertility. The, Let's go. The pacing of this show, though, that's one of the yep. things that's like, it just never stops. It yep. goes and goes and goes. And, like, every time you turn around, you're like, oh, something's happening. Um, and this is, like, I think maybe this scene was where I got hooked. And, again, at 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, at <laughs> 8 years old, sure. I was like, Your eh. 8 o'clock number? Okay, sure. <laughs> fine. I'm leaving that in. I yep, thought maybe I'd edit it. Nope. I'm not going to. Nope, leave it um, <laughs> At 8, 8 o'clock years old, um, I watched Bernadette Peters rap this bit about this vegetables, and I was like, sold forever. Sure. Sold I would forever. never, I mean, let's be real. Rapping like that was not attempted or done as well again until Hamilton. No. Or, I mean, in the Heights, arguably, right? Yeah, yeah, um, sure, sure, sure. But I <laughs> sometimes but, I like in do, a less ethnic way. Sure, she did it, but yeah. no, that's true. She was it was very white rapping. Um, I would do like mic checks with my friends sometimes, and we would do um, dream roll mic checks, and I would just rap the witch. There you go, a la Lin Manuel Miranda. There you go. <laughs> it All right, was not good. All right, it's fine. It was a choice. So anyway, she. Uh, she explains that his father stole some vegetables from the witch's garden to appease the wife's his wife's appetite as she was pregnant. As he was leaving, he stole some beans for himself that he did not realize were magic. Um, when they were taken from the garden, the witch lost her beauty. In return, she stole their daughter, Rapunzel, and caused the spell over their family. She explains that the only way to lift the spell is to find four ingredients in the woods. A cow as white as milk, the cape as red as blood, the hair as yellow as corn, and a slipper as pure as gold. And bring them to... I'm like in my yes. head. I'm like, you're bring singing, me these days before yeah, the time of midnight. Yeah, you're doing the song. <laughs> I am like a cow as white as milk. Um, Bring them to her before three days is up. I don't like the, the phrasing on that. Sure, Wikipedia. it's not right, it's not so right. that's fine. It's Keep okay. going. Um... And so then that vignette sort of ends and you go over to, like, stage left or whatever. And Cinderella's step family prepares to leave for the festival. Um, they once again refuse Cinderella's wish to go with them. Um, the word wish is a big motif in this first scene, as it is in the rest of the show, um, which we can get to a little bit later. Sure, it's her whole theme. Well, her whole theme, but I mean, everyone in that first, right, they all yep. start with I wish. I wish. Um, which is a is a is an interesting idea, because by the time you get to the end of the show, they do a lot of questioning about, like, what, what really came of your wishes, yep. right? Um, so anyway, as he's preparing to, oh, as Cinderella's step fairy prepares to leave for the festival, they once again refuse Cinderella's wish to go with him. I've already said that. As, yeah, okay. As the baker prepares to leave, he finds six magic beans in his father's old jacket. Um, all of them be- prepare their journeys into the woods. Jack is to sell his beloved cow. Cinderella is to seek advice from her mother's grave. Little Red Riding Hood is going to her grandmother's house. And the baker is refusing his wife's help and going to find the ingredients to um, the witch's potion thing. So they can have a baby. So they can have a baby. So it's a, in, a, in a very fun, I mean, like in a very fun way. They want to make a baby, and he wants to do it alone. Yeah. <laughs> so, which what a is choice, refer- man. So, it referenced later, but uh, always kind of, I mean, it gives you a sense of the humor in the show, um, and, and you know, we begin we begin this show, everyone is going kind of on their own specific but separate journey into the woods. Yeah, and what I like about, and I wrote, actually wrote a paper on this uh, last semester, or two semesters ago, um, what I like about this the story between the baker and his wife and then later the witch is like it was the late 80s yeah uh so like definitely women had 
things going on, but, but there well, wasn't. We've talked about the eighties and uh, yeah. women, and that's it's when, like in a in a weird way, like women's yeah, sort of empowerment and just they were starting to that time of like corporate and I mean that was the eighties too is like a huge corporate move away from kind of the seventies, mm-hmm. and so there was all those kind of turns, but like still contained within this show about fairy tales that has like takes yeah. place in no time and no place. Well, and I do think that her arc becomes so feminist without being in your face preachy. Yeah. Um, which is different than some of the other like material we see of the time. Yep. So I thought that was really He nice. wrote this in 87 mm-hmm. or it was, it came to Broadway in 87. So I mean, right sort of at the peak of those things. Right. So anyway, they all go into the woods um, and they sing the prologue. Um, when she gets to her mother's grave, Cinderella repeats her wish to attend the festival and the spirit of her mother gifts her with a gown and golden slippers. And this song is called Cinderella at the Grave. Sure. Her mom's in the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've seen done a lot of really cool ways. Sure. Like we put a, we built a tree and put a person put in a it. Put a person in yeah. it. You know, like I, I've seen a lot of cool stuff. I, I forgot about this, but last year the high school in the district I work for did this show. And uh, one of my former students played the, the mom in the tree and I was like, I was so excited. Um, and it was really cool because I think they also built a tree-looking thing, and yep. she was in it, and it was beautiful. Um, the mysterious man mocks Jack for valuing his cow more than a sack of beans. Little Red meets a hungry wolf who distracts her from her path, hatching a plan to eat her and her grandmother, and hello, little girl. Should we talk about the wolf? I would love to. Let's, so, let's dive every in. every show, I would say almost every show I've ever seen, aside from like when we did it because community, but... The wolf is very sexual. Yeah. And it's meant to be, I yeah. think. Like, uh, it's always, like, uh, a bare-chested... Uh, I feel like it always has, like, so, uh, like a weird codpiece, like, yeah. time. There's and some, like, anim- ana- anim- animalistic... Sure, that's not the word I, I was looking oh, for. Sure. But yeah, it, there's an anatomic... Oh, uh, anatomical. Element, yeah, so usually to his costume. Correct. Where you're like, hey, uh, hello. Uh, uh, but... Yeah. Uh, but it's meant to be, and it's an interesting thing because the whole song he has with Little Red yeah. is this idea of her innocence, mm-hmm. and that's a big trope throughout for her. That's kind of her storyline is, growth. like, this I- idea of innocence. Um, she steals a bunch of baked goods from the baker and his wife. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, she uh, Little like Red is always life. very, like, sassy and, like, whatever, but she's going to Grandma's house. And so along the way, her sort of journey into the woods, she meets this wolf, and the wolf it's not like, I mean, he talks about wanting to eat her. Yeah. But it's, like, suggestive. I, I do think that the the song was intended as an allegory of, for, of for course. like, assault. Well, <laughs> and, for sure. Like, a sexual awakening yeah. in that way and sort of innocence. And we tie temptation a lot of times innocence and temptation and those things. But yeah. um, always very, like, sexy. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that traditionally the wolf and Cinderella's prince are cast as the same actor. Yes. Um, And I think that there is a, I am a purist about this show in that way. And like, I think there's a lot of reasons why that is Yep. Um, mainly because they are foils of each other. And like where the wolf symbolizes this like dirty, bad, scary thing, the prince symbolizes like the thing you want more than anything else. Right. Right. Like, and it's, uh, they just are two very different sides of, well, I like to think of it too. And we, when we did it for casting purposes, we actually had Rapunzel's Prince double. Okay. But that was just for literal, like logistical things. But, um, sometimes community theater, but I also like to think of it where the wolf too is to me, he, he and the prince are the same. One is just a shiny version of that in which he is like, look at me. I'm great. And I'm shiny on the outside, but deep down I'm 
going to do all the things Pretty that he evil, does. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> the wolf great. is just sort of a more out there, embraced version of that. Yeah. Um, and so I do think it's an interesting thing when the same actor plays it. Um, it's a great spot also if you are a community theater and you do have a lot of roles. You can cut that you can cast doubling and just yeah. get that away. No, no. It's a it's a thing you can do. Um, and then and then you have Johnny Depp did it in this stupid movie and it was sure. dumb. Johnny Depp really waltzed through a few different Sondheim things. No, nah, and you know what? He just did the thing that Johnny Depp does and then he laughed and I was like, all right, I'm done. It wasn't, listen, it yeah. was, well, this is the other thing too is typically... I feel like when it's done on stage, Little Red is played not by, like, a true, like, 12-year-old. It's usually, like, an, an older, older person. person. Yeah. And so it's sort of that, the sexual tension that exists with between those two characters is not as icky as if it's, like, 45-year-old <laughs> like Johnny Depp and, like, 12-year-old whoever played that girl. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. it just, and that's part of the thing we were talking about the movie that changes. Because mm-hmm. you're like, well, they've cast a child. And now that now part gross. of it, yeah. you can't, well, you just can't do it because it's weird and disgusting. So weird anyway. Disgusting. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they, that happens. They sing that song. Um, the baker secretly followed by his wife meets Jack. Together they convince Jack that the beans found in uh, the jacket are magic. So they trade the cow for the beans. And Jack bids Milky White a tearful farewell in the song called, I guess this is goodbye. It's true. Um, which, like, here's... This is the thing I was going to mention before I started the synopsis. But I... The music in this show... The the premise of the show itself, right? Like, not quite relatable. We can't relate to magic beanstalks and things. Right. But the music in the show... It just, it will hit a nerve with everybody. Mm-hmm. We've all at one point or will at some point probably have to say goodbye to a pet, right? And we don't know like what happens after that. And it's like such a, a poignant time in, in someone's life to say goodbye to your pet. And uh, I just think that this song was so skillfully crafted to do that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's uh, deeper where, it, you know, it intimated in the beginning of the show that Milky White is like Jack's only friend. Yeah. So it's saying goodbye to like a friend and, yeah. and we'll talk more about death <laughs> coming up. Sure, sure, sure. In the old second act. But, Ugh, uh, you know, it's just one of, that's why I said this, this show, there's a reason why, uh, you know, as, um, as a high school director, you start to cycle through shows and you're like, oh, in the lens of 2021, not doable. This is racist, sexist, uh, misogynistic, terrible, you know, and you're just like, but the music's fun, but like, yikes, I can't promote this, even under the guise of like, well, it's a classic. And the thing about Into the Woods in particular, I find, is it's unproblematic in that way. It is just a timeless lesson uh, as you as you go through it about about life and growing up. And that part of it to me is done so smart. Yeah. And, and then, and then you add in the great music. Yeah. Yeah. So you could you know, do this as a straight show and yep. it would also be very, very yep. nice. Um, and the music is, is just like haunting and beautiful. Yep. Um, the baker feels guilty about their deceit, but his wife reassures him that it'll all pay off when they get their child. Um, which I, I really like just the dynamic between the baker yes. and his wife, I think is lovely. Yep. Um, it is real revealed that the witch has raised Rapunzel in a tall tower, only accessible by climbing Rapunzel's long golden hair. Um, the song "Our Little World" I think was added after the Broadway yes. debut because I don't know that song. It's very not well. original. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I've only heard it maybe once or twice. I don't know if I like it that much, but that's okay. Um, sure, I was gonna say I don't think we did it. I think, we, I think it's, it's not like in the original. It's definitely yeah. not in the original. I don't care for yeah. it, but that's okay. Um, if you like it, I'm so sorry. Uh, maybe it's because again, weird purist about this. Come musical. for Lauren at <laughs> Downstage, La- Lauren. Downstage Lauren on Instagram. Yep. Um, a prince spies Rapunzel and plans to meet her. 
Uh, when the baker passes by Little Red Riding... Oh, we've just... We're jumping everywhere. Sure. sure. He plans to meet her at the end. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's really not much to it. He just is like, oh, that's how you get up there. She sounds pretty when she sings. Let me go find that. The prince. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, when the... And this is the, the pacing of the show, yep. especially this first act. It's like boom, 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 boom. Yep. When the baker passes by Little Red's grandmother's house, he finds that the wolf has eaten them both. In pursuit of her red cape, he stabs the wolf and rescues Little Red and her grandmother. In return, Little Red gives him her cape and reflects on her experiences in the song I Know Things Now, which another, like, amazing song. Well, it's a fun time in which, um, you know, for everybody else, they're kind of on, and this is what drives the plot, is, like, Little Red just trying to get to her house, gets distracted by the wolf. Cinderella just going to talk to her dead mom birds bring her a dress um <laughs> like you do yep she gets a lot of help from birds yes. listeners i hate birds <laughs> it's a tough plot point she for me does hate um birds. jack is trying to sell you know trying to get money because they're poor and he's got to sell a skinny friend uh the cow skinny cow friend. um we'll talk about the cow in a minute um but sure. the baker and his wife truly are on like the driving plot which yes. is they're trying to get these things he's Trying to get, you know, he's trying to get the cow as white as milk, yeah. eh, milky white. Sure. Uh, the cape as red as blood. And he, so it's, and that's how they get intertwined is as he crosses their paths as they're looking for these things. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting too that they are not, uh, identified as a fairy tale, right? right. They're just like people. The baker who have a and baby. his wife. Yep. Yeah. And then they, he's Rapunzel's brother, but other than that, he's not connected to any fairy tale right. at all. Um, but I think, uh, the Cinderella, nope. I think Little Red song here. It just like yeah. the ending of it is just so nice. Like nice yep. is different than good is like Which such is, an important thing to know. And also an amazing thing to think. And I like that quote. I catch when we did the show. I think I said it to a thousand people a thousand times because it's such a good quote yeah. where you're like, you're right. Nice is different than good. Yeah. And we as a society should remember sometimes that. can't differentiate. And, either. Yeah. Well, I so I listened to a murder podcast. Um, right. my favorite murder. And uh, it's great. Um, But they have a thing where they say, fuck politeness. Yeah. Because of how many people have been murdered or killed or whatever. And obviously that's not the same thing as nice is different than good. But it is. But it it is, It's a similar concept. And to me, it's like one of his, it's like, it's an iconic line. Yeah. It's like Ashley Flowers on Crime Junkie says, be weird, be rude, stay alive. Like, same thing, right? Nice is different than good. Just because you're being nice doesn't mean you're a good person. And just because someone is being nice to you doesn't mean they have good intentions. Or that you have to be nice back to them. Correct. Anyway. Okay. Um, So she sings that. When Jack's mother sees the exchange that Jack has made for Milky White, she angrily tosses the beans outside and they grow an enormous stalk. You know, because of beanstalk. Sure. We know it's Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk. Right. Which I feel like it was pretty obvious to begin with, but it's fine. Um, Cinderella flees the festival pursued by the prince. Um, and the baker's wife helps to hide her. The little friendship that they have. Yes. Like, I just, like, they come back Hello. a couple of times. It's just so sweet. I love their little, like, she's like, tell me about the ball. And he's like, she's like, it was very nice. And she's like, what about the prince? And she's like, we dance a lot. <laughs> like, it's just well, so it's cute. That, um, it's that grass is greener mm-hmm. uh, thing where the baker's wife is like, oh, you went to the ball. Like, yeah. you went to the festival. Tell and me. And Cinderella, who wanted to go so badly, is now a little disillusioned by it because... It was okay, and which I think is funny. Where you know, there's a great line where she's like, "No, no," uh, the, the and she goes, "It made a nice change," and she goes, "No, no, no," the prince. And she's like, "Oh, <laughs> the prince." Sorry, yeah, I was telling you about the dance. I'm he sorry. He was nice for a prince, I yeah. guess. I guess. 
Well, and I think it's one of those things, too, where they're both looking for the thing that the other has. Yep. Like, Cinderella yes. probably deep down just wants, like, a, a, a nice good husband, husband and, and family. Yep. And the baker's wife is like, wouldn't I love to just get fancy for a night and, like, yep. dance with the prince? Um, don't we all? Yep. <laughs> all right. So, anyway. Um, they sing a song called uh, Cinderella. Oh, yeah. When asked about the ball, Cinderella is unimpressed. Yep. <laughs> Just like a good way to put that. Spotting Cinderella's gold slippers, the baker's wife chases her and loses Milky White as the clock t- chimes 12 times. Um, and that is the first midnight song, which, oh, my God. So many, so many cool things happen in that yep. song. Um, and I love it. Well, it catches you up. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's it is that good- push and pull of... Oh, they had almost everything, but then she loses the cow, and she doesn't get the slipper, so yeah. now we're back down to, he's got the cape. I don't think she knows that yet at no. this point, so it carries on. Well, and it's like a nice little check-in with all yep. of the princes, right? The yep. harder to keep, the better to have, or whatever yep. nonsense it is. The narrator comes in with some stuff. Slotted spoon can't hold that much soup or something like yep. that. One of my favorite quotes. Anyway, um, after the first midnight, Jack. Oh, I love the transition between this song and the first midnight because yep. they're all like, "When midnight gone," and then he's like, "There are giants in the sky," and it's so good. So he talking, he sings "Giants in the Sky" and describes his adventure climbing up the beanstalk um, and all the stuff. It's so cool. And if you get a kid that can really sing it, yep. like holy cow! And let's be real, usually it's an adult man. Some, yeah, yes, that's true. Um, again, when my high school, the high school that I work under did it, mm-hmm. they had this kid that went to the middle school I work at, and he was so good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't have him as a student, but he was fantastic. Um, so he sings about that, and he has taken a lot of money from the Giants, and he gives the baker all the gold that he stole from the Giants to buy back his cow. The baker is like, oh, but I... I don't know if I can do that yet. Well, and also <laughs> the baker's like, I don't have your cow. Oh, uh, yeah. I've My wife's it. got it. So. Uh, yeah, we, we don't know where it is. Yep. And also not sure, like, we don't know what this cow is going to be used for. So, right. like, right, not right, right. clear about that. Um, and so, but, like, he doesn't really do a good job of communicating that to Jack. So Jack's like, hang on, I'll just get more stuff. We'll be back later. And he, and like, goes back, back to the Back up the Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, the mysterious man, who is also typically usually double cast by the narrator. Mm-hmm. Again, for, I, I'm a purist. So, like, this is the part my grandfather played. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, for a lot of reasons, right? I mean, like, he kind of transcends the story in a lot yep. of ways. And he plays both sides. And one is a very, like, buttoned up. The narrator is, like, in a suit, usually. And kind of outside of the story. And the mysterious man is, like, a hobo. Uh, yep. a, a woods hobo like, in yep. the story but is he really you know um so he questions the baker what he cares for more money or his child and he takes his money yep. <laughs> which is funny to me yep um cinderella's prince and rapunzel's prince lament over their loves in agony which is like one of the best songs sure. in the show. a classic oh. um i'm gonna say dudes or ladies yeah if you're looking for a classic like a duet comedic duet oh. this is it and it's, it's a best. fun song in which basically these two dudes are lamenting who has it worst. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Cinderella saying, can you imagine uh, someone ran away from me? Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Rapunzel's prince is like, I have to climb her she hair. She can't go. She's yeah. stuck in She's a tower. Stuck. And so it's just these two. I mean, in a fun, like, 2021 lens, it is the height of white privilege. Sure. In terms of, like, sure. that idea of, like, look at my terrible, terrible problems. So sad. And then they do kind of self-actualization of, like, but we're princes. Like, right, we are. We're still princes. Well, and I also love, like, the sibling dynamic. It's yes. like they're trying to one-up each other yep. all the time, which is really cute. Um, this, I think, was, like, a, a shining moment in the film that I thought yep. was just yes. fantastic. Uh, Chris Pine and Casey um, starts with an M. I don't know. 
Sure. I, it starts with an M. He used to be on As the World Turns. Um, Mo, uh, Billy Mug- Muggison. That's who it is. Sure. Not um, Casey who, sure. His name. <laughs> no, Casey was his name on As the World Turns. Got it. Um, so, but <laughs> they, they so do. Uh, they do such a good job, and really, like that number is exactly. Yeah. The feel it should I think be. it was like my favorite part of the movie yep. and it was the probably one of the only things that made it like watchable for me. Sure. Um but yeah, just the everything about it. My dad played Cinderella's Prince and the Wolf when I was eight, and I remember watching this and like the, his duet partner, they were just like so good, and I was like, This is amazing. Um so the baker's wife overhears their talk of the girl with golden hair. As she takes the hair from Rapunzel, the baker finds Milky White aided by the mysterious man. The baker admits that they must work together, so they hatch a plan to finally seize Cinderella's slipper, and they sing the song It Takes Two, which I just, like, I love it so much. Because he changes his, like, pronoun usage from I to we. Yep. And it's so, like, it, she catches it, and it's such a beautiful moment where he's like, you're right. Right. I so the ba- it's the Baker and his wife, not Baker and the Mysterious Man. Right. No, they got yeah, Baker uh, and his wife. But they they sing and it and it is and it's it's um like I said it's the nod to him's going I'm having a baby and I don't need you and sort of it's the moment where he's like oh it takes two. it will take two it of takes us two of us to get this child. baby yeah, yeah <laughs> essentially um and I yeah I just like I love his growth almost more than I like her growth yep. because she is the one pushing him to grow yep. and he very unproblematically is like yes I will grow and I was wrong and yep. it's okay to admit that I think yep. it's a really important example to set for people especially sure. gentlemen sometimes it's okay to admit you're wrong yeah wait I mean everybody everybody um Jack arrives with a golden egg uh and tries to give the bake give it to the baker as more money for Milky White but Milky White dies as the second midnight chimes and so then they sing uh the second midnight which is a huge bummer for everybody, because what a time. Uh, the witch discovers the prince's visit and demands that Rapunzel stay sheltered from the world in a song called Stay With Me. Which, like, I am not a parent. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I do know that I imagine that this song resonates with parents a lot. Um yeah. Even just as a as someone who like had parents has parents, they're still alive. Sure, I was uh, like, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen you in like a couple weeks. We don't. But I was like, <laughs> We're okay. okay. No, as, as someone who has parents, like I see, I see this point of view from them a lot. Um, and it's, I I have sung it before for auditions and stuff, and it like gets me every time. Well, once again, it the show is about growing up, but not just from the side of like a kid to an adult, but mm-hmm. it's like. And that's what I think makes it interesting and timeless is that it's about kids growing up into adults. It's about adults coming to grips with that next time in your life and what does that look like. And it's about parents having to let go and do those different things and or confront the mistakes you made as a confront parent. the like mistakes here. you made. Sure, where <laughs> this is a big this mistake. Was maybe that the not great. <laughs> sure, this is more. Um, I mean, listeners, if you're familiar with Tangled. Mm. Uh, the the old Disney Rapunzel, um, you know, it's that idea where like Mother Gothel, like she's trapped in that tower. Yes, and it's the same thing. And so when she finds out that she got to the outside world, um, the witch is like, "What?" Yeah, and cannot handle it and doesn't want her. She wants to keep her safe and sheltered. So even uh, you know, in the other one, it's more nefarious. But in this show, it's like she just wants to protect her. Yeah, and so you kind of start to realize motivations where. It's not like an evil thing. It wasn't her being evil. It was genuinely out of a place of, I want to protect you. I want you to stay safe. I care about you so much. I care much. about you. Yeah. But obviously that, you cannot prevent it from happening. 
Which is why I love, like, diving into villains so much. Because, yep. like, everyone is, like, the hero of their own story, right? So, like, what makes an evil person evil? Yep. And for her, it's like she just has, the, like, a thing that she so desperately wants to keep Of pure. course. Then she does a real villain thing. <sighs> where... She tries her best. <laughs> sure. Where she, she cuts gets mad. All... Yeah, she gets mad. <laughs> cuts Rapunzel's hair off. Yep. Banishes her to uh, the banishes swamp. Banishes her to the swamp. So, yeah. hey. So she does that. Yep. It's a whole thing. Uh, Rapunzel... I feel like we also watch Rapunzel's growth in this show as like someone who is just horribly tra- traumatized, and like they, oh, her trauma like, is constant throughout. It's so bad, like she never gets past it. She's just as like sad all the time, yep. and like poor thing, she never really gets to, to yep. gets to be in a good place um, before she gets stepped on. So um, she gets banished to a swamp. Jack meets Little Red. Um, now sporting a wolfskin cape and knife because yeah. she's badass now. Sure, she, <laughs> which gave, I love. she gave the cape to the baker and was like, I, I don't need it. I'll get a new one and has skin <laughs> wolf. wolf. Yeah. Sweet. Um, Jack brags about his adventures in the sky and mentions that a golden harp owned by the giant. Uh, and then she skeptically goads him into it uh and so he goes back to the giant's home to get it uh and i i like the exchange i like generally the dynamic between jack and little red as the junior members of the cast yep. it's like a really cute thing where like sometimes there's like chemistry sometimes it's just like buddies sometimes uh, it's like, like brotherly yeah sister. it's yeah. like you can kind of play it both ways depending on how you want to do it yep. and it's really cute um cinderella torn between staying with her prince or escaping, leaves him one of her slippers, putting the decision into his hands on the steps of the palace. Uh, also a really fun song mm-hmm. to sing. Uh, when I was in my 20s, that was a song I thought was, like, perfectly in my range. Um, she trades her shoes for the baker's wife. No, she trades her shoe. Just the one, because she left the other one. On the well, she trades shoes with the baker's yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. So she takes the baker's wife's shoes, which is, like, convenient that they're the same size. Sure. Because uh, my feet are enormous. Um, and... They, the witch, the baker's wife gives her like the last bean, and she's like, "Well, this is stupid," and throws it away. Um, the baker arrives with another cow. They rejoice, having all four objects. However, the witch discovers the baker has covered the cow in flour to make it look white, um, and the witch resurrects Milky White. Um, Jack returns with a harp, which the way that I've seen the harp done in a couple of different ways. Sometimes it's just like a fucking harp, but at the high school. Oh, last year it was a person and she yeah. had this really beautiful costume that had like a tray it was like a golden dress sure. and a train that she held and then the strings were like coming from her arm and it was the same girl that played um cinderella's mom and she's got this like beautiful, oh, beautiful okay. voice okay and so she actually sang as the harp and it was like nice. beautiful and i was like what a great choice to make so i and, you know a way to get more kids in the show it's like a whole thing sure. i thought it was beautiful so he's got a harp Sure. Basically, after that, you hear a big crash in the backyard. Oh, yeah. And a giant. There's a dead giant. Dead giant. Because Jack has cut down the beanstalk, the beanstalk and the giant fell. Um, the witch. And then Jack's mother is like, hey, there's a dead giant and no one cares about it. Sure. The witch instructs the baker to feed all the objects to Milky White um, and then tries to milk her and she doesn't produce any milk. And the witch learns that the hair was Rapunzel's and isn't going to work because the witch has touched it. Um, mysterious man just like appears out of nowhere like he does and he's like, hey, use corn silk instead, which is like not hair, but like fine. That's a plot hole that is like not important. I don't think it's a plot. I mean, it's just the that idea of like, it's the idea of like the loopholes, right? Where yeah. you're like, well, we just said it'd be, you know, the hair, you know, it's, it's, it's the loophole. Yeah, for sure. Um, Milky White then produces the potion. The witch drinks it. She becomes young and beautiful again. Um, and then she also reveals that the mysterious man is the baker's father, although he dies 
immediately. Uh, uh, this is like one of the all-time best uh, like transformations on stage. And oh, so good. So all throughout the beginning of the show, the witch is like gross looking. She's mm-hmm. like haggard. They give her like weird finger, like long weird fingers. Um, her face is like usually a mask. It's like grotesque. Yeah. And it, in like, and this is like one of those fun stage moments where she drinks the potion. There's like fun music, like a little swirl, Maybe and then a she smoke machine, and she reappears as like a smoking hot lady. <laughs> yeah, like a young smoking <laughs> hot woman. And she's burning at Peters as a young smoking hot woman. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, and so you you realize why she really needed this potion. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, great, amazing. I forgot. I went to see this in Stratford when I was in high school, and Stratford, uh, not Stratford upon Avon in England, but Stratford, Canada. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, especially with their musicals, sometimes they like to go a little avant-garde. And they do. the witch was like wearing, the first act she was like wearing a garden. Oh. Um, and it was really interesting. Okay. Uh, so interesting. she was like green and like had like arugula everywhere and stuff. And when the line where she was like, you should see my nectarines, they were on her butt. And it was oh, very funny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so at the sure. end of the yeah, she which, turned around. She like did sure. a shimmy. Um, and so then I think when she shed that, she was just in like a green, like poison ivy style bodysuit. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really always um, a fun, like a fun transformation. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, so anyway, that happens and she, uh, Baker's father dies. Cinderella's prince seeks out the girl who fits the slipper and desperate uh, for his attention. The stepsisters, uh, which is true to the original, original story, yeah, grim, yep. they cut off their feet or part of their feet so that they will fit the shoe. Um, and then the prince, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Here's my plot hole. Yep. Okay. She just traded shoes with the baker's wife, meaning they wear the same size. Sure. But here's the thing. We don't know if they were the same size. It's just that she needed shoes to run away. Okay. So, so like, she, she could have been like, these are too them. big, or yeah. these are, like, I'm just going to jam She's my feet in. trying my best. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 I, I feel better no, about that's it. the plot hole in all of Cinderella, which is just this one lady has shoes <laughs> like this. She's the, the only okay. one wears the size, and also Correct. you can't recognize her face? Are you face blind? Well, Prince and also, so-and-so? here's the thing. This is the way I always thought of it, which is, they're not, like, her size, but they're, like, perfectly molded to her feet. That's what I, yeah. So, like, other glass. people can't, like, get their feet in there. And in a lot of the shows that I've seen, when they cut off the toes, they do some kind of blood. Yeah. It's like a fun time. Yeah. And it's like, it's either coming out of the shoe shoe or it's like squirting from the foot. Yep. It's a real good time. So yeah, they, they do that. Each, each of them has a moment where they like slice off part of their foot. Um, which is real fun. And then eventually they're like, oh, Cinderella's here and this is her shoe. So ta-da. Rapunzel is found by her prince. As the witch attempts to curse her, she realizes that in exchange for her beauty, she has lost all of her powers. So now she's just like real pretty. Well, I think normal. also it's important to say the Rapunzel's prince, while looking for her, gets his eyes. He like loses his, he becomes blind from like brambles yeah. and wanders the desert looking for Rapunzel. Rapunzel, or right, yeah, and Rapunzel finds him, and then to cure his blindness, cries into his eyes. Yeah, and he, his sight is restored. Yeah, sure, because that is how optometry works. Sure, I think. but it's a fun thing uh, where it's usually done very comedically. Yeah, she's like one and two, and I'm crying. Yep. Um, I don't. I think that happens in the second act, but I could be oh, wrong. Uh, not sure though. Um. So anyway, she, that's a thing. She realizes, the witch realizes she is just like a normal lady now, even though they still call her the witch. I was going to say, I think it happens first act, if only because second act, she dies. You're right. Okay. You might be right. Um, at Cinderella's wedding, the stepsisters are blinded by birds, and the baker's wife, who is pregnant, 
thanks Cinderella for her help, congratulating themselves on living happily ever after. And the characters fail to notice another beanstalk growing in the background. So the, an interesting thing, if you've ever done a junior show. I was just going to say. Yeah, <laughs> junior shows are done um, where usually they just are truncated. They cut out songs or cut out random side plots or whatever. Yeah. This one in particular is um, fairly sad because the junior show is Act One. Yeah. And as you heard, Act One's filled with stuff. Lots of stuff happens. Except for, to me, it completely defeats the purpose of the show because at the end of the Act One, everybody is happy. Mm -hmm. Everybody has gotten what they want. The princes got their ladies. Cinderella marries her prince. Uh, Jack is growth. Jack is now rich. Uh, Little Red has reunited with her grandmother and has a wolf pelt. Um, the baker and his wife are pregnant. The witch is beautiful. Everybody is where they want to be, mm-hmm. and that's how the first act ends. And so, to me, as you'll hear when we kind of dissect the second act, um, yeah, so much more happens, and the point of the show yeah. is all of the things that happen in the second act. So it's really, to me, a misleading time. And listen, I get it. Uh, junior shows are for, not meant for that necessarily. No. But it just really loses a lot for me when we don't continue. So Well, we, we lose a lot of the material that is so, yeah, it's yep. so important in the second act. I, I think that there are some characters that have some growth in the first act that are that's valuable for young yep. performers to sort of experience. But yeah, I do agree with you. So um, I do love that, like, when they were workshopping the show on Broadway, they had to add a line for the narrator at the very end of Act 1 that said to be continued yep. because people, people were, were like, leaving. Bye. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah. this is like a nice little one. They're like, oh, it's beautiful. Great. Yeah, what a, what a happy time. Yep. And then like half the audience came back like, oh, the, oh, oh, oh. Yep. Oh. Um, so here we go. Act 2. The narrator continues. Once upon a time. Later. Um, everyone still has wishes, as you do. Um, and they start with the same sort of like a reprise of the opening number. Um, the baker and his wife now face new frustrations with their infant son. Newly rich Jack misses his kingdom in the sky, which is like my guy. This huge person tried to kill you, and you're well, like, I want to go back. It's beca- <laughs> what well, is that about? No, no, no. It's because he misses having adventures. I mean, that's that's sure. the point of it. Is he's now back to his life without his? Well, I know he's got the cow, but you know mm-hmm. his life without friends and like the adventure of leaving home, and now he's like back living at home. Yeah, that's true. Um, Cinderella is bored with palace life. Um, but everyone is still relatively content. They sing the song called So Happy. Um, with a tremendous crash, a giant's foot destroys the witch's garden and damages the baker's home. The baker travels to the palace, but is warned... No, his warning is ignored by the prince's steward. Because the prince... Don't know where he is. Uh, returning home, he finds Little Red on her way to Granny's, and he and his wife escort her. So, you know, very reminiscent of the beginning of the first act. Jack decides to slay the giant, and Cinderella investigates her mother's disturbed grave. Everyone returns to the woods, but now the skies are strange and the winds are strong. Yep. Which is, like, so scary. (laughs) I love it. It's just, like, so ominous. Um, Rapunzel. Here it is. Rapunzel, driven mad, flees into the woods. Her prince follows and meets his brother. They confess their lust for two women. Two new women. New women. Snow White. Sleeping Beauty in the reprise of Agony. We've got a formula we're following, kind of, until it all goes to hell. Sure, and it's a fun time where they basically, I mean, this is what it touches upon, which everybody got their wish, and no one is really happy. Right. And the two princes found, you know, we in the first act, they're they're unattainable. I love the chase, and that's really what it is. And now in the second act, they've got the chase, they've got the ladies, and now they're like, oh, let me tell you about this (laughs) other lady that I know. And, I mean, it's very much... We're setting up for, 
you know, careful what you wish for. Uh, yeah. And I those mean, types of things. The so. princes gave us some red flags yep. early on in the first sure. act that we all need to pay attention to people who, yep. yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's that. The baker and his wife and Little Red find Cinderella's family and the steward, uh, who reveal that the castle was set upon by the giant, which I believe means that they got stepped on too. Uh, the castle got stepped on. Yes, and they this all castle is destroyed. Yep. Uh, sure. The witch brings the news that the giant destroyed the village and the baker's house. So they're all just like running around the woods and they can't go back because everything is flat. Yep. <laughs> because this giant is like, sup. Um, the giantess, who is the widow of the giant that Jack killed, appears seeking revenge. As a sacrifice, the group offers up the narrator who is immediately killed. I, like, this scene to me is so funny. <laughs> I just yeah. think it's brilliant. Well, and you start to see, I mean, once again, it is a real commentary on when faced with, yeah, like, survival and human nature, their immediate choice is, let's give him the narrator. Because mm-hmm. basically, um, we find out the giant can't see, and so they're, and she's like, give me Jack. And they're like, let's just give him the narrator like who cares well the joke about her vision that i really appreciate is like they they just like very nonchalantly the narrator has a line that's like the giant who was nearsighted and lost her glasses right and like before that in the first scene the second act jack holds up like this like half pair of glasses it's yep. like huge and super cool so like i just like love the, the detail there is really interesting to me um but yeah they just are like here it is and then she gets him well close and she's like this is not this is not Jack. What but the heck? kills him and anyway. throws him on the ground. Correct. Uh, what a bummer. So that's that's fun and fine. I ooh, I saw this really cool production of this show, and I might have mentioned it in our first episode, where it was like only ten people. Yeah. It was set in like a very small space, and it was supposed to be like a bomb shelter. Oh, and they were right, like right. telling the story to each other to make them like to take their minds off of whatever shelter thing was going on. And the the pit was a piano. And the piano player was the narrator. Oh. It was really cool. I think he still played after okay. he died. But it was really cool. And my friend was playing the piano. I was like, oh, man, this is great. Because he just, like, sat at the piano and went, once upon a time. And it was yeah, that's amazing. Very cool. um, but I, I can't remember how they did it when they killed him then. I don't know what happened. Maybe. Sure. Piano just. Just acapella. Maybe their whole act was acapella after sure, that. Not maybe. sure. But it was fantastic. The giant is angry and they're like, well, give him Jack. And. Sure. Um. The steward, Jack's mother, like, goes crazy. She she shows up and she's and then, like, excuse me, you stepped on my whole house. Well, and she's like, I'm not giving you my son, blah, blah, blah. And then the steward kills her. Yeah, he just, like, smacks her on the head. And she dies. She dies. Uh, in the original, she does a fantastic job. It's, like, such yep. a beautiful death yep. in a weird way. Um, as the giant giantess leaves in search of Jack, Rapunzel is trampled. Um, she's dead. Just immediately, like, she screams, like, poor Rapunzel. It's just yep. a lot of trauma. Can't cope with it runs right into the way of the and there she goes and yep. the witch sings like that beautiful lament afterwards it's like so short and so powerful yep i love it um the royal family flees and despite the bakers pleased for them to stay and fight they're like goodbye well and i'll and i'll say this uh the the witch's lament is an interesting one because she kind of touches back upon the idea of this is why she wanted her to stay in the cat in the tower Sure. Why she wanted Rapunzel to stay in the tower. She didn't want this to happen, and it still did. Yeah. And it's that idea of you can't, sometimes you just can't stop that part of it. And um, she does it. It's a fun little number, and then she just pieces out. Yeah. She's, she's like, like, GTFO. Done with this. Everything I love is gone. Yep. Um, well, and I, it's an interesting thing, because, like, do you think, had she not kept Rapunzel, like like she did right would rapunzel have survived because no, she would no, have like understood still, the world well and that's the thing and that's 
that's part of it too where you're like well you sheltered her yeah and that's why she like went crazy because she could not cope with everything she couldn't understand what was happening and yep. she had not seen a lot of the stuff that she was seeing and it was yep. like an overload and she just just got squished yeah uh it's real sad i shouldn't be laughing at it but here i am this is how i cope with tragedy i laugh um okay. so here we are the royal family flees. The witch vows to find Jack and give him to the giantess. And the baker and his wife split up to find him first, hoping that they can, like, find him and be like... And save him, basically. Yeah, the witch. And uh, keep in mind, the witch is, like, a normal lady at this point. So, like, we're all on equal, equal footing at this point. Yeah. Well, doesn't matter. But Cinderella's prince appears and seduces the baker's wife in a song called Any Moment. Um, which is, like, oh, man. There's a lot... There's a lot of layers to that song and, like, the the why... And the how, you know what I mean? Especially yep. when you look back at Cinderella and the baker's wife in the first act and how they interact with each other. Um, I just think it's really interesting. Well, so basically what happens is it's that being confronted, you know, like we, like, I think the modern equivalent now is like maybe a hall pass where you're like, oh, you yeah. have your five celebrities that like you're married, but if you ran into mm-hmm. I Henry have Cavill, you'd be yeah. like, I'm sorry, I have to have sex with him. <laughs> So, you know, it's like one of those things where you're just like, you know, for her, this is the, like, this is the other side of the fence where she does have the baby now. She does have her husband and that's all she wanted. And we learned that in the first act, but maybe that's not all she wanted. Maybe she wanted some more. And so this little moment is very fun. And then you kind of see also what a trash bag human the the prince prince is because he seduces, I mean, really, truly seduces her Mm -hmm. and... I think the show is very good about making it obviously very consensual in that way, but in that sense of like he really is like, well, uh, you could hang, you know, like hey. so. Me. And then as soon as it's over, he's like, gotta this go. Was just a moment, yep. <laughs> and that's well, it. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing where she gets kind of it's it's a very quick lesson where she is like, I'm I'm making this kind of fantasy thing come true, mm-hmm. and now the cold harsh reality of the daylight is. Oh, it was garbage. And mm-hmm. he literally just he used me. Yeah. And I should have just stayed with my husband who I love. And like, this was a mistake. And he pieces out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think her song that follows, uh, Moments in the Woods has so, yep. another like song that has a lot of like quotes you can pull. Yep. That are, it's just, it's so like almost philosophical. Um, that like, man, the, the lyric writing is beautiful. So anyway, the baker finds and convinces well, Siller. Well, I think you got, she, she's killed. Well, so what happens is they, the the prince seduces her, they disappear, then they cut to the baker convinces Cinderella to join the group, okay. and then the baker's wife comes back, and they it's like obvious that they have done something, the prince and the baker's wife, and then, then he's like, gotta go by, and then she sings the song, and then she gets stepped Oh, on. I see, I see. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Because yep. um, that's, it's, to me, I remember being a very powerful sure, moment also. Sure. Um Like, because holy cow, what a crazy time. So the whole thing is, the baker finds Cinderella, but not his wife. Like, they don't meet. No, they don't. So, it's just the baker and Cinderella being like, we gotta find my wife. Yeah. And then... And also we have to find Jack. And then we cut back to the baker Mm -hmm. and the prince waking up, like, post-coital. Sure. And and he's like, bye, gotta go. And Mm -hmm. she's just like, what the hell just happened? Mm -hmm. And kind of has this moment of, like, deep reflection... Very philosophical. And then killed. And then immediately she's like, I don't know where I am. Uh, you hear some thungs, thud, thuds perhaps. I don't know what thungs are. Yep. Um, and then she's killed. So that's that's that. Then the pacing just keeps on going. The baker, Little Red, and Cinderella await the return of the baker's wife when the witch arrives back with Jack. So she's found him. Uh, Jack was found weeping over the baker's wife's body, which is so heartbreaking. 
The baker blames Jack, along with Cinderella and Little Red. They all argue about who uh, is to blame for this whole deal it's, in, like, the craziest This is song. one of my favorite songs. Oh, I love this song. Uh, this so is good. also, to me, like, peak Sondheim. Yeah. Where oh, you're like, yes. and you're like, well, what's happening? It's so good. Um, it's basically the baker's wife, Jack, Cinderella, and Little Red taking turns blaming one another. Uh, and, like, they all have kind of valid points. You know what I well, mean? Like, they, they're, none of them are br- Basically, everyone's like, Jack, you went up to the beanstalk. And he's like, I only went back because Little Red Riding Hood made fun of me and said I couldn't. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, well, what about you? And you had, you gave him the beans. And, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. And then you're, then they're like, wait, what about, I didn't give him all the beans. And Cinderella's like, oh, no. Oh, I you, threw what, a bean. You, I threw a bean. And yeah. it's just this great thing where they're just going, 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 going. And then it comes to a screeching halt. Yeah. With the witch. Yeah, because they all, like, realize that she is kind of the catalyst and the antagonist for everything. Uh, and she she's like, no, 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 please stop what you're doing. Because uh, here's the last midnight song, which is uh, 11 o'clock number, arguably. Yep. Oh, yeah, and for sure. fantastic. And, you know, Bernadette Peters uh, does it beautifully. Um, a lot of quotable stuff in this one, too. I'm not good. I'm not right. Or not, I'm not good. I'm not smart. I'm just right. I'm the witch. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's just such a beautiful, crazy number. And then she, like, mysteriously dies at the end. Well, she gets her powers back. So, like, just, oh, because she, like, she throws van- out a bunch of beans. Correct. Stuff. And then she vanishes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think She's most like, people interpret as screw, dying. Screw you yeah. guys. <laughs> I'm Bye. Here, yeah. uh, chucking beans everywhere. And everyone is like, dear God, we gotta get these beans up off the floor because yep. holy cow. And I love the way she does that. And it's, like, this, like, beautiful way of, like, your last oh, it's, hurrah. Uh, it's the glockenspiel. Yeah. Bling. It's great. Well, but, like, the idea of, like, I'm peacing out yep. and I'm going to make you all so scared because yep. I we've seen what two beanstalks can do. Let's harvest them all and just, like, get a bunch of giants down here to murder you all. And it's just, like, this rage of, like, see you later, suckers. It's so and then she good. Leaves. Oh, and then she does. She, like, I, I always assumed that this was her death. Oh, I never, um, I always just assumed she's poofed herself to, like, another universe. Interesting. she's like, bye. She poofed herself. I really yeah. thought she was just dead. Um, cause it, oh, you're not, you know what Wikipedia says? The witch throws away the rest of her beans, thus regaining her power so much that she can vanish, abandoning the group. Yeah, so I guess she... I think... I've uh, al- we always did it... When we did it, we always took it as, like, she's like, bye. Interesting. I, I always thought, based on her screech at the end... Sure. Oh, that um, is the dying? That she, like, her power just kind of, like, took over. Oh, and she's okay. like, I'm out! Well, and mm-hmm. then she comes back as, like, a ghost like everyone else. Listeners, let us know what you think. What, what, how do you interpret the witch, uh, her exit in this song? At stage left... Downstairs, sure. Downstairs, At downstairs, left. Left PC. That's all our socials. <laughs> That's all our stuff. Um, so anyway, there's that. She's gone. Um, grief stricken, the baker flees, but is convinced by his father's spirit to face his responsibilities in the song they sing called "No More." Also, a beautiful heart wrenching song between two dudes. Sure, there's like three eleven o'clock numbers oh, in the show. So good. So uh, well, this one. I mean, this is where it starts to get really real. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Um, because the the parents sort of are forced to confront like what they have done and yep. um and how they well and the baker is having this like crisis of conscience of can't go on he's mm-hmm. his wife is dead he's like how I can't be a single parent no. I, I, she's the one who wanted the baby I don't know what to do and so it's this real full circle moment where they do sing and they're like yeah you're gonna make mistakes you know it happens yep. yeah. So he returns. He lays out a plan to kill the giantess. Cinderella stays behind with the baker's child and uh, confronts her sure, prince over his infidelity. Here's what I tell you. That's like maybe my favorite part is where he's like, stay with my baby. Yeah. God. And just leaves. <laughs> well, and I she's she like. the one that's like, give me well, the kid. I know, but it's you like, kill what in the world? Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, I thought you were going to say the part where she's like, if you love me, why would you have strayed? Because like, why? Well, sure. I mean, sure. 
aka the prince is a fuckboy. But well, but that's fine. that's one of those things. It's a great line where he goes, "I was raised to be charming and not sincere." Oh, I love that line. Yeah. I forgot about that. I was raised to be charming, not sincere. It's Which, so true. Well, and it's like again when you start peeling away the layers, you're like, sure, he was. I mean. He does not know better. He does not know better. And well, so And that's like the overall overarching theme is yeah. like careful careful how you raise your kids, right? Like yeah. children will listen. I was raised to be charming, not sincere. I don't know how to treat people well. <laughs> it's the nice is different than good, you know? Yep. Um which is just crazy. So he explains his feeling of unfulfillment and that he was raised to be charming, not sincere. She asks him to leave and he does reluctantly. Yep. Um Little Red discovers her grandmother has been killed by the giantess as uh, the baker tells Jack that his mother is dead. Jack vows to kill the steward uh, in revenge, but the, the baker says, like, no, 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 don't do that. And he yep. comforts him. It's very sweet. And then Cinderella comforts Little Red. Um, the baker and Cinderella explain that choices have consequences in my one of my favorite songs. Yep. No one is alone. So when we did this show. We, for some reason, we it was such a good cast, and... We had everybody, we could not get a jack. We, like, just, we didn't have any one audition that we felt was right. So we were kind of doing that thing where we scrambled. So we didn't add our jack until, like, three weeks into rehearsal. Oh, goodness. And um, thank God for Connor. He did great. But because of that, he, like, missed some fundamental things. Mm. And so we laughed because literally week of show, we realized he wasn't singing <laughs> in this song. And it's it's Oh, it's no, it's very people. important. <laughs> and so, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it was, like, Tuesday, and he just goes, Am I supposed to be singing in this song? And we were like, Friend, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, shoot, <laughs> sorry, man. And he, I mean, to his credit, he goes, oh, my bad. And he just added it in and it was great. But we were like, it's one of those songs where it's, it's so full circle for these four characters. And these are the four characters you meet in the beginning who have sort of that journey and they just talk about yeah. loss and they talk about the feelings that come up with it and how you deal with it and just you're not alone and you everybody because let's be real by this point they everybody feel feeling lost because yeah. cinderella already had maybe experienced it earlier in her life with uh, her mother but now the ghost tree is gone yeah jack's mother is killed but not by the giant which is not a random act but was killed by a person yeah you know um the grandmother gone uh, baker's wife gone so like it's a really interesting moment where these four characters have kind of this really amazing discussion about it and you know, talk about it. And, well, it's, this is another moment I would point to as like, no, you can't relate to a giant stomping through your village, but you can relate to having lost someone Correct. or knowing someone that has lost someone and understanding like the, the feeling of loneliness and realizing yep. that like, there is always going to be someone there with you, even if you can't see them. Yeah. Um, which I love. So the four together slay the giant giantess, pardon me. And, uh, the other characters, including the royal family, most of them have starved to death. Oh, I didn't know that part. Well, I, what? We never really see anyone. No, else, I don't so think we fine. see. They like yeah. come back at the end, and they're like, yeah. "We're going to hide. Know how to get there, and how to get back, and pee first. And like yep. that's what you see, yep. or maybe eat first. Maybe that's why the, that's where that line comes from. I don't know. I've never. I did not know that they starved to death. Maybe that's a Wikipedia is wrong kind of deal. Um, the princes have their uh, new ladies, Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, um, and everyone kind of returns to do a reprise of the beginning with some morals, and like they're like, "Hey, here's some lessons we've learned." The survivors band together. Cinderella, the baby. Baker, Jack, and Little Red, and they decide they're going to like live together and be like a happy family. Um, and the spirit of the baker's wife, oh, I love this scene, comforts yep. her like mourning husband, and she's like, "Just tell him the story." And it's really sorry. Sure, I'll get it together. It's nice. I'm fine. Right. I'm going to be okay. Sure. Um, 
so the baker then recounts his father, well, the narrator's words at the beginning, right? He likes repeats them all in a very beautiful full, full circle kind of way. Yep. The witch comes along and she sings Children Will Listen, which is, I think, personally Sondheim's best song. But okay. Rachel Bloom thinks it's being alive, which is also correct. Um, but I think Children Will Listen, I just think it's uh, it's so poignant and powerful. It's yep. actually the song my dad and I dance to at my wedding. Yep. So. Well, it's, I mean, it's one of those things where, um, this is the thing we used to talk about when we did the show. We were like, do you think Cinderella and the baker like get together. I think so. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, like, I think hey. it's just like where yeah, she's like, I'm gonna thing. raise you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, Step it's mom and whatever. You know, this is what we were kind of talking about. Where if you only do the first act, yeah, you don't you, get this. Job. You miss all yeah. the lessons, which yeah. is this idea of moving on, growing up, dealing with tragedy, dealing with death. And I think in a weird, this show maybe more than his other shows when talking about Sondheim moving on he's already prepared us by like this work. Yeah. He's like, and, it's going to be okay. And no one's alone. No one is alone. Yeah. And, and so it's, you know, like I said, I, I love this show. I think it's, uh, like <laughs> the I, spirit I said, of Sondheim coming behind me, like just teach the lesson. Sure. The uh, amazing. <laughs> I hope that's the truth. That's it. Um, but you know, well, I just, in a way where I like to think that, um, like I said, his stuff to me is, this is a show you could do 20 years from now. Yeah. And it would still have resonance and, and still up. be you know uh, an important lesson to think about and learn and it's just it's done so well yeah. because this is the thing is like uh and this was kind of i think we're talking about time a mark of his stuff which is the storytelling is so good mm-hmm. and then you have really great music and lyrics yeah. and that's the part of it where you're like well i mean all right and i think this show may be more uh, i'm listen i'm i like Stan, i'm just fine uh, some shows more than others yeah. but he you know this is one of those ones where these songs and phrases and lyrics from this pop up all the time for me like in my head and through different things so yeah. that's I, that's what I think is one of the interesting things um, we kind of didn't talk about this in the beginning but this right. uh, musical won 11 billion Tonys so many but it was the same year as Phantom of the Opera Oh my in God. which Phantom dominated a lot. Yeah. However, it still was one best score, best book, and best actress in a musical for Joanna Gleason, which tells you where I'm pretty sure everything else, I think, got won by Phantom that year. Um, and listeners, if you are a regular listener of this podcast, you will know why we find that problematic. <laughs> Although we do sure agree do. the music is amazing. But that tells you that it won best score, best book. Yeah. I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. And then, obviously, Joanna Gleason is, like, uh, iconic in this role. So iconic. I love her. And I'm trying to think what people would know her from. I mean, she's, like, an actress that's been in everything. She's been in everything. I think one of the things that is that I always kind of think about, I'm like, oh, Joanna Gleason's in it. It's a weird sort of part that she probably is not known for outside of, like, my head. But mm-hmm. she was on Friends for a while. Sure. And she played Rachel's boss. Rachel's like boss. Minute, and I loved her on it because she was Friends, so funny. Friends, swing back around to that. <laughs> I always think of her from Mr. Holland's opus for some oh, reason. Oh, that's a good... Yeah, She's that's the better. adult Gertie. And <laughs> yeah. then she has been in, I mean, genuinely, um, just a career of a million different things. Yeah. Uh, you'll know her. Look her up. She's, like, a red-headed lady. Uh, and in everything. Just has been on everything. So... Uh, I think, you know, like I said, it's this show, if you've never listened to it, and it's one of those shows that's pretty much sung through, so, like, mm-hmm. even if you're like, well, I can't see it, I can only listen to it, you can listen to it, and you will have the whole show. Well, and the thing about listening to it is, like, 
it, the, the storytelling is well, through the songs, but yep. also like it's so colorful. Yeah. So like you can imagine the your own way through it, and it would be just as interesting as if you watched it yep. because your your brain can do whatever it wants to. It's very cool. Um, I there's for sure the PBS version that we've spoken Ooh, of with Joanna so Gleason good. and Chip Zion and Bernadette. sort of all Bernadette Peters and all the people that we're talking about. Um, there is on H, uh, Broadway HD, there's an open air version. That one's weird. Yeah, it's I like that one. It's super weird. It's cool. Uh, I like it though. It's weird, weird, weird. Um, the one that I am always looking for a bootleg for is they did it at the Hollywood Bowl, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was Sierra Bagas, mm-hmm. Sutton Foster as the baker's wife. Skylar Aston. Skylar Aston. I mean, yeah. just one I would like to I've seen a put in my eyeballs and like, see it. Clips of that clips. one. Clips. I've never found the full bootleg. No, so, I haven't either. Uh, listeners, if you have it. Please send it to it's us. It's illegal. They use, Shame on you, but send it. Well, they use the, the styling and all the costumes from the original. Yep. But it's They like, use the original costumes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is so cool. Um, And they did, I mean, but Sutton Foster is so funny as the baker's wife in mm-hmm. the clips that I've seen. And yes. like, oh, what's his name? Gaten Matarazzo is yep. Jack, who yep. is so good. Uh, Just like a, a real all-star cast in that way. Love and it. The witch was... um. Uh, Patina, I'm pretty sure the uh, from Sister Act. Yeah, I don't remember her name, but she, Miller, I remember Patina Miller. Her, like, love her. Um, she was really good. But it, yeah, Patina it Miller, interesting. Um, interesting casting. Really fun. Sure, I would love her. a full bootleg because there's other bootlegs. That's what I'm like, saying. I want a bootleg. Company with Neil Patrick Harris is there. Yep. Um, so well, that was Pro Shot too. You can buy that for reals. That one, yeah. Uh, no, if you're listen, listeners, if you don't know Sondheim, um, and I would say even more so, like, um, he has such a distinct style yeah. but his shows are all different yeah. so just going down the um company is a huge one he also wrote sweeney todd oh, um uh it happened on the way to the forum um sundays in the park with george assassins like passion night music a little night music yeah um guys go look him up and have yourself a little day where you just listen to steven sondheim and uh i promise you it will it will be something that will stay with you and you know and all those things so mr steve um oh can i just real quick sure uh this is a i follow skylar aston on instagram and he like posted yesterday uh that i just thought this is like a really poignant like little thing that he said he was like they're just uh now there's another giant in the sky oh which i thought was really nice it's like well okay so then let's on our scale um if zero uh dead people because oh, so God. many people die. <laughs> oh, my God. If zero dead people are, um, the show is terrible, um, and everyone learns a lesson, but there's, uh, like, a pileup, where Jesus. where are we at? Jesus. Well, what's what's the cap? I mean, a pileup. Everyone learns a lesson. Oh, the pileup. Whatever the the good one is. <laughs> like, pileup, yeah. This is my I, favorite listen, show of all time, so I agree. Like, whatever I, the highest is the on the scale. I agree with Lauren. <laughs> I, like I said, this this is one of those friends, like, it, it, some, we have some younger listeners that are maybe learning about musical theater through our podcast. Oh, um, that's a t- choice to make. Sure. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I think it's good. But, uh, friends, go, and if you haven't listened to this music, this show in particular, yeah. um, uh, the original cast version is still the best. It's so good. I mean, again, it's... It's just you will appreciate it and you will listen to it. So yeah. uh, go do those things. Before we before we sign off, guys, check out our Instagram. Check out our Facebook. Um, please leave us a review wherever you're listening. That will help our podcast grow and it will help sure. us, uh, you know, find help listeners find us. Um, please send us your theater stories. Send us your thoughts. Send us if you have like a Sondheim something that connects and speaks to you. I want to hear about it because he was my favorite. Um Sure, we're at Downstage Left Pod, Downstage Left PC on all the socials, and then Downstage Left PC gmail.com. And Downstage Left Podcast.com as well. Is the website. old website. Thank you so much, guys. Sure.
Sure. Uh, I think we've done it. Uh, exit stage left. Pursued by a giant. Drake.